Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment. Tallman Equipment prides itself in having more linemen tools in stock than anyone else. And now, when you're shopping online at tallmanequipment.com, look for the truck logo that says Fast Ship on hundreds of items on their website. That logo means that item is in stock and ready to ship the same day in most cases. When it comes to getting the tools and equipment linemen need, trust Tallman. Line 11 Clothing Company, making apparel for our first responders with a positive message to patriots that you can be proud of. The proceeds of the cost goes to helping our foundation ignite the fire for father engagement. Give them a follow at Line 11 Clothing on Instagram. And finally, Monzingo Knives. Each knife is created with craftsmanship that only a tradesman could provide. Find them on Instagram at Monzingo Knives and get your American-made Monzingo knife today. Welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast, where our mission is to improve the well-being of children by increasing the proportion of children growing up with an involved, responsible, and committed father. The Show Up Dad Foundation, Inc. is a 5013C organization that encourages dads to become more than just a paycheck. Today's guest is Jude Mendonca. He is an ex-homeless drug addict, turned author, public speaker, serial entrepreneur, who owns RecoverMeUSA.com. It's a supplement company. He also is a CEO of a Node Ranch, which is a software firm developer for crypto. But the most amazing thing I feel that he has accomplished in all of this is that he's being a show up dad to four boys and has been married for 13 years. Welcome to show up. Welcome to the show, brother. Heck yeah. Thank you, David. I appreciate this. Absolutely, man. Well, Let's start off, Jude. Uh, sorry, I called you Mendoka. I know it's not Mendoka, it's Mendonca. <laughs> it, was actually, it was cool to hear, actually. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting how we, we almost have the same name, you know what I mean? Pretty cool. Right. But uh, So let's go ahead and start off, Jude, by you just telling us how, how it was you growing up with your father and stuff like that in your childhood. Right. Right. So, you know, I grew up, he'd say, you know, the typical American household where my dad wasn't around. Um, mm-hmm. I never got to know my biological dad. Uh, he he wasn't in my life. He was very abusive, very drug addicted. My older sister got taken away from him. Um, my mom ended up leaving him after I was born because he beat her really bad with like a wrench or something one time. And so, I got mm-hmm. to talk to him one time when I was about 16 and then he died a couple years later. So, um, net, and that was on the phone. So I never actually got to meet him or anything, but I had, I had a stepdad, you know, and, uh, he was, he, he was really cool. Uh, he was, you know, really nice having some sort of a male figure in life, you know? And I mean, he also, he wasn't the greatest male figure. He was a drug dealer in and out of prison all the time, but, um, he loved kids, you know, and, one thing about a stepdad that actually tries, you know, the cool thing is like they chose to do it. So there's something kind of cool to say about that with a stepdad, you know, like he chose to be my dad and he chose to what time he did give me, you know, chose to put that in. And, 
Mm -hmm. He was a lot of fun. I got to learn a lot of things from him, a lot of what not to do's. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So not so much what to do, but a lot of what not to do. And um, yeah, you know, he was uh, he was from the Southern California area, you know, Mm -hmm. where you're talking about down there. So I spent a lot of time down there, a lot of time up in Montana and, you know, got to see a lot of that uh, California, you know, thug, uh, you know, beach sort of mindset and everything from him. And Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very, very interesting. A lot of different point of views I was able to get from him as a father. Looking back, Jude, what, how was the relationship with him and your mom? How did that, how was that? How was so the dynamic? Their, their relationship was actually super, super awesome mm-hmm. until my mom got pregnant with my younger sister when I was about 10 years old. Um, it's weird. My dad loved kids, but he never wanted to have one of his own. Um, he was physically abused really bad when he was young by his mom and his dad. And I think deep down, and we never had this conversation before he died, but mm-hmm. I personally believe that deep down, he really was scared of, you know, being the same thing and kind of hurting his own kids. So yeah. he was okay being a stepdad, but he didn't want to be a dad. And like uh, him, and my mom started having a really bad relationship after that. He actually left her for a while, came back and then they, I want to say they ended up getting divorced probably six years after my sister was born. Wow. So, Man, sorry, sorry to hear that. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Like, cause it was mm-hmm. like, they were, you know, you looking back on it. I've gone through it a couple of times. Like, man, they were like really good friends. They had a lot of fun times together. And then one day it just switched, you know, mm-hmm. it's crazy too. Cause I like, I like to correlate what you're saying there with a lot of times, like when people get married and stuff like that, um, it's all good. It's the honeymoon phase, whatever. And then when kids come take place, you know what I mean? Sometimes a lot of men kind of freak out and, and then you had right. the added stress of life onto the marriage and then it just right. starts turning crazy. Right. 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 They also, uh, I want to say about a year after my sister was born, mm-hmm. my dad ended up getting in trouble again. And instead of going in he went on the run and took my mom and sister with him so that probably didn't help much either (laughs) oh wow wow so is that when he went to when you guys moved to montana is that how that no so we lived up in montana um okay and actually when he went on the run that time they actually went back down to california so they they were hiding out in cathedral city area Mm, not familiar with that now. Uh, down just outside of like Palm Springs, uh, oh, okay. Yucca Valley, San Bernardino, that whole area. Oh, wow. And how long did they stay out there for? So they were together on the run out there, I want to say like four years, and then they divorced. And uh, my dad ended up staying gone for, gosh, what was it? I want to say probably another three years. And then they have with certain crimes, you know, they have statutes of limitations. Well, mm-hmm. they never got him. They didn't give him the, the, what do you call it? Speedy process and everything. So he was able to beat that case and he moved back home and came back to Montana after that. So with my sister. Wow. Um, it seems like they really liked the uh, Montana. It was probably just a chain of, chain of scenery, right? Just right. Kinda- right slow it down a little bit right yeah and i think that's what it was for him you know like he mm-hmm. he liked it up here because it was a lot more chill a lot easier Not how did you expensive. like montana if you don't mind me asking so i'm still in montana my okay. wife she'll never move from here uh i enjoy it uh mm-hmm. you know it's a great place to raise kids 
especially mm-hmm. like having lived in, you know, Portland, Las Vegas, throughout California and stuff like this is definitely a way better place to raise kids, you know, where, you know, you're going to have some good influences around them. It's a little more controllable. We're not so crazy yet. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but we've got mountains, we've got streams, you know, fishing, rafting, kayaking, like all the things to do with children. So. Mm. That's funny. Cause I had a, a, I was talking to one of my apprentices today. He's from Montana. And, uh, He's like, I was like, how do you like Southern California? He's like, well, I don't like it. I'm like, why not? He's like, well, because he's like, it's too crazy. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, a lot of people from California are moving to Montana. He's like, yeah, you guys yeah. are trying to Cal- California fornication, my, my Mon- Montana, he said, you know, and I just, I just started laughing, dude. I was just like, oh, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, right. there's good, good people everywhere, you know? Right. Um, We moved from New Mexico. I lived here 20, 20- 22 years ago southern california and i left and i said i'd never come back and oh, right. um, wound up god had a a whole different plan for us and we moved back out here and uh it's been it's been amazing you know and um people always ask me like oh why are you why are you leaving you know new mexico to go to california it's like dude new mexico was pretty rough man where we, right. we grew up you know it was uh pretty crazy you know and um we're just having a blast out here and just enjoying what god has in store for us and stuff like that but where uh, where are you at i'm over here in southern california and actually by let's see the closest place would be corona oh okay and corona california over there by um lake alzi and all that stuff right 30 minutes from the ocean and 40 45 minutes from the mountains so i could be surfing or snowboarding right. depending on what i want to do you know what i mean right. that day which is really cool <laughs> um the interesting thing i found out here though is that the work ethic there's a lot of hard-working people out here mm-hmm. you know a lot of hustlers yep. you got that california hustle and flow people don't got time to sit back and rely on the government to take care of them i mean they they you have to work otherwise you yeah. can't afford it out here you know yep. so i really yep. appreciate the work ethic i see out here you know yeah Plus well, got so much competition. So you have to be hungry. Yeah. Oh, be doing for something. sure. Yep. And the entrepreneurial mindset out here is, is really crazy. Cause I mean, people are just consistently thinking, how, how could I, how could I hustle? How could I hustle? How can I make a book? You know what I mean? Right. It's pretty cool to see. Cause there's a lot of new products that are coming out that I'm just like blown away by, you know? Right. But uh, what I wanted to ask you too, brother is, uh, so you became a father, right? Yeah. Now, what is something that your dad showed you that you can share with your children? Right. So I always tell people, cause, and I'm not trying to toot my own <clears throat> horn or anything with this, but a lot of people yeah. really compliment me on the type of father I've been. And I think a lot of that's cause, you know, they knew who I was raised by and how I was when I was young. So I think they're more amazed that I've done as well as I have with my kids, but Mm -hmm. I always tell them what it comes down to is I always think about what my parents would have done and I do the exact opposite. So Mm. (laughs) my dad literally, literally gave me a list of, you know, what not to do's, you know, he was Mm -hmm. uh, very quick to exploding, very quick to, punching and hitting, you know, very quick to, you know, burning a car down or something like it was just so explosive. Um, but he also wanted to be a friend, like he wanted to be liked. So, 
it, it was always about, you know, buying you mm -hmm. something, you know, doing something to make you be appreciated and through like a gift or something like that, or mm -hmm. that he took you somewhere, wherever it was. So what I've learned with my kids is, you know, one, to be a friend to them. Because mm -hmm. I, I will say I did learn that from him because I was willing to talk to my dad about anything and he mm -hmm. was willing to share anything with me. He was very honest, very open. Um, so I've done that with my kids, but I've also learned, you know, to be slow to anger, as the Bible says, you know, to be yeah. quick with patience and listening, you know, to spend that time with them. Give them. That was one thing I will say my dad wasn't very good at spending time either. He mm -hmm. was always on the next hustle, always on the next thing, or he was in prison or in the run, you know? So we mm -hmm. had those different things. So me, I've designed a life where through investing and everything like that, we tried to create as much time as possible so I could spend with my wife and kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've been able to take complete weeks off at a time, just whenever I wanted to, to hang out with them and, you know, just be with them, do things with them, take them places, whatever it was. And, I've almost never missed putting them to bed at night, reading a story or anything like that. So mm -hmm. I'd say, you know, I've learned a lot of the stuff that I do with my children is because my dad didn't do it with us, you know? Mm -hmm. So learning to just do the opposite and get those better results. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously your success didn't come overnight. Um, a lot of people want what you're just talking about. You know, they don't want to work the 90, 96 hours. Right. They want more time to spend with their kids. What does it take to accomplish that? Today? Right. Right. So like those, the people that aren't there, you know, mm -hmm. we still have 24 hours in a day. And the problem is mm -hmm. we'll go that eight hours of work. You know, let's say it's a 10 hours total you spend working because of drive time, getting ready, things like that, coming home, relaxing a little bit. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, and again, another thing I learned from my dad, like I don't do sports in the home. I don't watch football. I don't watch basketball, things like that. My dad was obsessed with every sport on earth. So mm -hmm. if it was on, the TV was on and the kid had to be quiet, you know, hated that. You no, know, yeah. why not go outside and throw the football with me? Teach me that, you know? So mm -hmm. people nowadays are spending time doing that or they're doing a Netflix marathon, you know, they're constantly entertain, entertain, entertain. Yeah. There's so much time that they could go and, you know, spend with their wife, talking with her, you know, learning things with her, spend time with their children, playing a board game, things like that, you know, working on their physical health. Like we say, we don't have time. We don't have time. We don't have time. Even if you work 12 hours a day, Plus those X214, you know, there's still 10 hours there. You only need six hours of sleep a night. You know, hmm. I, some people, okay, maybe eight, but hmm. really you can get along with six pretty well. So there's time to fit things in and hmm. do what's needed to go to the next level. And kids don't require a lot, you know, give yeah. them an hour, two hours, undivided attention each day. That's all it takes. That's seven hours a week. What is that? That's nothing. Hmm. So it basically what I'm getting is it boils down to prioritizing, right? Yeah. And what's important. Well, you're going to yep. spend time with that, right? Yep. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's crazy. Cause if you break it down, I, I like the way you broke it down that way. Just, you know, 12 hours, 14 hours, whatever, whatever it may be. I mean, guys today are working 14, 14 hours a day, 16 hours a day. You know, some right. of them are working 24 hours straight, eight hours off. Right. Right. And, um, uh, do you really have to, I guess that's the question, right? You know, do you right. really have to, to do that? I could see once in a while or whatever, but to make that consistent, 
you know, something's going to suffer doing right. that. Yeah, you know, for sure. Your mental sure. health, your physical health, your, your relationship with your children, your relationship with your wife. Yeah. You know, something's going to break down. Um, yeah. What are some of the challenges you had to overcome? Because obviously, you know, you're highly successful. That didn't happen, like I said, overnight. So how did you deal with that? Because I know being an entrepreneur and stuff like that, it takes hustle, right. it takes grind. I mean, it's nonstop because right. you got to be a hustler. So how did you balance? I don't even like to say balance, Jude, because <laughs> I don't believe I don't believe there's balance, right? Right. Um, but how did you get in that flow state to where you could tackle stuff and and just be present when you needed to be. How did you yeah. accomplish that? So that that took a lot of work, you know, like uh -huh. none of it's overnight. It takes effort. Um, my first business. Mm -hmm. So I started my first business probably eight months into our marriage, something like that. So the wife was still pregnant. Um Mm -hmm. And we were having a very bad time at the beginning of the marriage. You know, I was one of those people, like I loved her. I wanted to marry her, but mm -hmm. come to find out I wasn't ready to grow up. I wasn't ready to give up other women, things like that. So I was a very bad husband out of the gate. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was going to be a UFC fighter. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, I had all these big dreams and everything. And she got pregnant. Um, my dad ended up getting in trouble again, going on the run and left my younger sister with me. So now we have a teenage daughter, a baby on the way. And I kind of broke down as a man and was like, oh, you know, you guys are mm. stealing everything from me. You know, you're making me, you're killing my dreams and taking away my life. Like, so just a complete jerk, you know, just exactly yeah. who I shouldn't have been. Um, well, as that business went on, you know, we got very close to a divorce and everything. And I wasn't spending time with her. I wasn't spending time with the kids. Mm -hmm. God took that business away from me. You know, we were doing three and a half million dollars a year in the weed industry, super mm -hmm. easy cakewalk business, no stress. It was wonderful. And we lost it all. Mm -hmm. Um, we walked away with $7,000 Wow! and my second kid, you know, uh -huh. had just been born. So now I got two kids, a wife and $7,000. So ended up starting a cell phone company and mm -hmm. I had to start it about three and a half hours away in a different city. So I moved out there while my wife and kids stayed here because we had no money, wanted to keep her near her parents and what help we could have and everything. And as I was working out there, I didn't know anybody there, you know, so I was spending a lot of time in my mind, a mm -hmm. lot of time praying, a lot of time reflecting, trying to get business going again. And, you know, thank God that God did that to me, you know, that he pushed me through that. Cause it basically, it broke me down and made me see like, I had all these blessings. I had the world, you know, right there. And I yeah. lost it all because of how I was being. And I realized I needed to be better. So mm -hmm. I started, you know, figuring out, okay, well, how do I become a better husband? How do I become a better father? And mm -hmm. so as the business started doing better, which we pushed it really hard and it was about four months, I was able to move back to town and then just start traveling and stuff. Mm -hmm. I started doing everything I could to start spending time with her and start spending time with my kids. Mm -hmm. And again, I made it very, very important that I read my kids stories at night. She didn't. I read them stories at night, you know, I put them to bed. Like I got that, you know, cause she got to breastfeed them. She got all this extra time with them. 
I needed to start being selfish a little bit and making sure I was getting dad time with them. Mm. And from there, you know, it just making them so important to me, they became my buddies. You know, they're the only friends I have now, you know, I've got four mm. sons that are my besties and they're who I spend every free time that I can with. Wow. That's awesome that you're able to build that relationship with them, but it took going through that adversity to see what was important. Right. Right. You know? The, the cool thing though, is that you could always make money. That's what I try to tell everybody. Mm -hmm. Once you know how to make money, you can make money, right? It'll right. always be there for you. Time is the most precious commodity. And yeah. I heard you say that, you know, that time was the most precious commodity, right? Yeah. It's the most precious asset we could have. So besides prioritizing right right how do you get the most out of your time like, right what do you do do you set boundaries or like how, yeah 100 percent. so mm -hmm. now like obviously being someone in business you know everybody yeah. comes up to you always asking for advice things like that right. and you want to help people especially being a christian we want to help people we want to give what we can mm -hmm. the problem is when it comes to business stuff though people don't always want to take your advice so you end up wasting a lot of time mm -hmm. excuse me sorry <clears throat> getting over a cold so I'm trying yeah. to keep it down as much as possible um you know people don't always take your advice so you end up wasting a lot of time so so one of the things i've learned from my mentors is start charging for your time you know mm -hmm. make it worth it so someone wants to sit down with me for an hour they're going to spend six hundred dollars you know someone wants me to help them out for a couple months or whatever they're going to be spending 20 30 grand you know um it has to be worth it for me to take time away from my family. And I have mm -hmm. to know that you're serious about it. Uh, same thing. Like I don't watch sporting events, you know, um, I'll watch like USC fight. If it's like a really, really awesome one once a month mm -hmm. or whatever, but I keep it down because what's important, the time that I get with my family. Mm -hmm. um, so just, yes, just prioritizing, you know, when I'm doing business stuff, it's very strict on what I'm doing. Like I took on some new partners when we started this software company and everything. And, mm -hmm. uh, the one partner, <laughs> he's great. We've known each other for a long time and we're both nerdy and everything. And he thought that he's always been worried about going into a business with me. Cause he thought we were very much the same, very spacey and all over the place and everything. Mm -hmm. Well, he's found out being in business with me that when it comes to business, like I'm direct, I'm on target. Like we're writing out lists, we're coming up with plans, we're putting everything together. And he didn't expect that, but I've learned that's what it takes. Cause if I don't do that, it will be chaotic. It will be all over the place. And then I will miss out on that time. You know, I'll miss mm -hmm. the things that are important. I'll be stressed out trying to put out the next fire or whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I could see how when you're all over the place, right? You're, you know, you're not really set up to, to be focused, right? I could see how that can rob your time because you're consistently looking for stuff. I've, I've been in people's offices where they're looking for God knows whatever they're looking for, right? And there have stacks of papers and emails and, and and just just paper mail and everything just all over the place. You know, this one guy walked into his office one time, one of my good friends, he was going to start his own line company and we're there. And uh, we go in his office talking about going signatory and stuff like that. And uh, this poor guy was just a walking mess, you know, and oh, yeah. he's looking for 
stuff all over the books and everything. And he picks up this one map that he had for this major transmission job that was going through the state. And he finds a sandwich. He's like, I've been looking for that. And he takes a bite of it. You know what <laughs> I mean? It was, I was just like looking at this guy like, holy smokes, this guy's a wreck, you know, right. got a functioning mess, you know. But I could see how part of being focused is just having your ducks in a row could help you with your time, you right. know, it's not wasted, right? right? Um, I know as a lineman, we pride ourselves in no wasted moves, yeah. you know, and I always consistently tell everyone I talk to, like when I get questions and stuff like that, it's like, man, you know, don't waste any moves when you're home, be at home. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you know that you got to put gas, you know, in your vehicle, put gas in that vehicle for your wife or whatever, you know, don't waste right. moves. That way she's not, that way you have, you can maximize the most time you yep. have with your kids or whatever, you know what I mean? Do what you need to do then. Yep. Um, and that's just being purpose driven, I guess. Right. 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 Um, you know, on that time issue, I'd like to just hit mm -hmm. this out there too, because it's such a great way to look at it. Um, uh -huh. hey, do you know who Jesse Itzler is? Uh, yeah, 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 I so, do. So yeah, so I got to mentor under him quite quite a few oh, years wow. ago in one of his programs and just phenomenal, phenomenal guy. And what got me interested in him was, saw him on an interview one time and I can't remember which one it was, mm -hmm. but, and he talks about this a lot and I'm stealing it from him. I talk about it a lot, but you know, he goes, he was talking to this guy and he's like, how often do you see your parents? You know, he's like, oh, once a year. And he's like, okay, you're, you know, 48 years old, let's say. So your parents are this age. And he's like, the average person in the USA lives to be this time. So if you see them once a year, you can, you're going to see them 12 more times in your life, 12 wow. times, and they're going to be gone. And I heard that and it was like, whoa, wow. You know, how, how heavy, how crazy to think like, you know, you've got that person in your life that you love so much and you're only going to see them 12 more times, even though there's, you know, 12 years left, you're going to see them 12 more times. That's crazy. And it's over in an instant, you know, time goes by so fast. Like, yeah. you would, I, I swear I'm still 10 years old sometimes. Like I can mm -hmm. look back and remember Saturday morning cartoons and waking up early like that vividly, but it's mm -hmm. gone. You know, that's 28 years ago. Um, my dad, him and I were talking on the phone. This was about five years ago and we always gave each other a hard time. You know, he's that prison con mentality. So just going back and forth and it was in jest. But the last thing I ever said to my dad was dad, I'm hanging up on you. You're annoying me. And I hung up on him and I had a call the next morning at 6am. He was dead. You know? Wow. It goes. Wow. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Instantly. Man. Yeah, yeah, um, no. That hit hard. You know, it it goes so fast. Mm -hmm. So we have to take advantage of it. You don't know if this is the last day you get to kiss your wife. You know, mm -hmm. you don't know if the last time you listen to your kids' annoying story about, you know, whatever it was on the playground. Like you have to take in every moment as much as you can. Man, when you're talking about them, man, I had a, a a thought. The last time I spoke to my younger brother, we got in an argument, and I asked him. I was like, I was like, Rico, I was like, oh man, there's got to be more than life than just building power line. I was like, what else do you want to do? You know. Mm -hmm. And um, this is when I was getting ready to retire from line work. You know, and I was talking to him and stuff like that. And he's like, I got twenty some years left. He's like, that's it. That's all I got. 
Right. You know, and he didn't have that. You know, we, we kind of got in an argument from there and he hung up on me and I hung up on him and, you know, whatever. And we said our P's and Q's and I never talked to him ever again. He never came home. Wow. Yeah. He was 38 years old and he died a day before his 39th birthday. In fact, he, it's his two year anniversary, October 26th. Wow. Yeah. So it's coming up already, but that was, man, just like you said, blink of an eye. I, I can, I still remember them calling me, my mom calling me. I was at home right. and crying and just saying, your brother just fell. I'm like, what do you mean he just fell? I mean, this is a strong dude. And I'm like, what do you mean right. he just fell? And they're like, oh, he, I don't know. They called, said he was hunting and he fell. And wow. he never came home, man, you know? Right. Right. So we, we don't know the time that we have. Yep. We've got to make yep. the most of it. Yep. Know? How can we stop giving away our time so cheaply? I know that's that's something that a lot of people have trouble with. You know, I get calls all the time and they're asking me like, oh man, I want to go to my son's game, but I feel so obligated to my crew because that's my crew. I don't want to let them down that, you know, they, and, and sometimes some crews, I know I was guilty of it when I pushed, you know, right. I'd guilt them. I'd be like, come on, man, you're going to leave us short. And, you know, we can't do that without you or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And you'd put a lot of guilt on the guys, you know, and how can they stop giving away their time so cheaply? What is your suggestion right. for that? Right. Like, So it it's three things. Okay? okay. The first thing, it's a mindset thing about your own worth. So mm -hmm. I, I tell people this, I use this, use this in a lot of my coaching programs. Um, mm -hmm. I even think I put it in my first book, but imagine your life is a hundred bottles of wine. Okay. Mm -hmm. What happens is, you know, if there's a vintage of wine that comes out hundred bottles, 20 of them are drank. What happens to those next 80? They go up in value, right? Yeah. People spend more on it. Okay. You spent 20 of your bottles gaining all the experience, figuring things out. You know, now you're out in the world. What do we normally do? Well, we work some lame job, you know, because we're still in our early 20s and we just want to party, you know. So, mm -hmm. boom, another 20 bottles goes by. Okay, now you've only got 60 bottles left. You know, what are you doing with those? Well, they you've maybe taken on a better job or something, but you still haven't done anything and you're still not doing anything because this is just the societal norm, you know, instead yeah. we're getting loans, we're taking out credit cards, we're buying a boat, you know, we're just over leveraging ourselves. So we have to keep working. Mm -hmm. So those bottles never go up in value. The entrepreneur and the investor, they understand things differently. They understand I've only got so many bottles of wine left. I got to make these the most precious bottles of wine that I can. You know, mm -hmm. and so they start doing things where like they'll start investing in real estate or, you know, um, just whatever again can, can increase cash flow so they can start having more time. So that way these bottles of wine they have more of, you know, they're getting to enjoy more of it. It's worth more. So that's that first thing is you got to start looking at your life differently because it's mm -hmm. finite. You know, you only have so much time left. You have to understand how precious that is. And the problem is, you know, when we're 30 and younger. We don't mm -hmm. see that. We have all the time in the universe when the years we should be sacrificing are our 15 to 28. You know, if most people had an investor's mindset, did some learning at 15, started putting things together. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, at 15, you know, and started doing the things they're supposed to do 28, 30, they're retiring. 
You know, wow. they're living that life. They're having the things they want to do. You know, they can be on the yacht at that point. Um, the second thing is, you know, to start and I kind of mix those first two together is to start figuring out how to invest for cash flow to start buying your time back, you know, start learning, you know, learn from people who've made it in real estate, learn it from people that have made it with stocks or Forex or something, you know, learn from people that have invented something and figured out how to patent it and leverage that, you know, whatever it is, learn from people who have found businesses built multiple of them, but they're not working on, you know, well, why aren't they working them? Oh, they've learned, you know, to put systems processes together and leverage them. And then that's the third one, understanding leverage. You know, mm -hmm. you can leverage other people's times. The movie, the founder, have you ever seen that about Ray Kroc founding a McDonald's? No, no, I haven't to seen it. I heard it was a good movie though. Totally recommend watching it. Um, lots of bad language in it, but super awesome business movie. One thing you'll see with him is mm -hmm. a lot of mom and pops, they suffer and die because they think they have to do everything themselves, right? Mm -hmm. They're in that business. They live that business. They die in that business. You know, kids usually get mad at them and walk away because everything was about the business, you know? Yeah. They never learn to manage other people because they're scared of the people stealing their idea, you know, or not doing it right, whatever. Ray mm -hmm. Kroc never thought about that. Bring them in, teach them. They want to become a competition. Who cares? I'll kill them. You know, hey, they're going to do a bad job. Who cares? Kick them out, hire a new one. You know, he believed in total leverage, leveraging of people mm -hmm. as assets and bringing them in to create more money and time for him. And then he kept growing it. And then he brought other people in, you know, gave them positions of company, gave mm -hmm. them part ownership of the company, things like that. So they could continue to blow that thing up while he did Ray Kroc things. Hmm. I like that. I like that. I've, I've, I've heard something similar to that. Um, scarcity mindset. Yeah. You know, that's the first thing I think about when you talk about how people who are afraid they're going to steal or whatever, that's that scarcity mindset right. that keeps you from expanding and growing. Like you said, um, you know, just to touch base on what you said with that, that croc guy. I mean, he didn't have fears. Fear wasn't holding him right. back. He's like, I'm just going to do this. I don't right. care how it's done. And Let's go for it. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of times as husbands, as fathers, right? We're afraid. I know my own father got stuck in a dead end job. I mean, it was a great job. It had insurance and stuff like that, but that's not truly what he wanted to do. And right. he stayed there until he retired. Right. And he truly didn't really start to live until he started up our our cattle business the ranch that we had right oh nice and um he did that but at the same token once again that same mindset he carried from working and retiring from the the city he brought that into the cattle industry with with you know what he was doing with there because once again i can't leave these people still are implements they'll they'll right. cut the fence they'll borrow our bull to you know inseminate their cattle whatever you know what i mean and that's that scarcity mindset of always thinking that people are going to take advantage of you, you know? And I think yep. that's from childhood, I would think, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause you know, it's, we're, we're not taught to right. understand and do things the wealthy are, you know, we're taught yeah. to be servants in all reality, you know, right. and our parents didn't know any better. You know, they understood go to work or go to school, mm -hmm. get good grades. So you can go to college so you can get a good job so you can pay taxes and die, you know? So we, we weren't taught any different. So it's us, mm -hmm. you know, guys like us breaking that norm 
and then mm-hmm. teaching that on to the next level, which again is the importance of spending that time with that next generation to make sure we're getting these messages and thoughts out there. You know, you know mm-hmm. my kids are already way wealthier than I was in my mid twenties. You know, I've set up things in their names already. We've already put things together. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them right now, him and I, he's been working on writing a book series and we've been putting that together for him and everything, helping him with that. The four of them together, they wanted to start a business. So we've been putting the things together for a business for them also. I didn't think that way at their age, you know, I was trying no. to get high. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> I was chasing after girls. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I know. And it's, it's definitely the narrative that we've learned, right? Um, I think they teach that in school. I mean, think about it. This mm-hmm. is how we, our kids are being conditioned and we were conditioned, right? You get up at seven, you go to school till 3.30, right? You do that every day, Monday through Friday. Right. Isn't that some, doesn't that sound like a job to you? Yeah, 100%. Seriously, that's that's what they're doing. They're conditioning the next workforce. Yep. Someone, I mean, and we're, what are we? We're kind of like, if you really think about it, we're worker bees, yeah, we're paying for these people who get to hang out and, and do nothing, you know, that are in charge of us, who make the rules for us. Right. 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 It, it, it's crazy. And when you don't fall into that and you start thinking, you start thinking about a future, start letting your money make money for you, just like on Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He talks about that. Mm-hmm. You know, that starts breaking down that cycle that everybody's in. You know, but we have to educate ourselves and we have to educate like you've been doing with your children, the next generation to to be able to step out of that cycle. There's nothing wrong right. with hard work, not nothing at all. You know what I mean? I'm a blue collar dad, yeah. right? But you got to start working smarter, not harder. And yep. I never truly understood that until, you know, because my dad would tell me all the time, go to school, go to school. You know, his, his thoughts was go to school and get a degree and whatever. You know what I mean? And me, I was like, ah, I can't deal with school, whatever. You know, I don't like that stuff. But uh, he had it right in a sense that it wasn't school. It was educating yourself. Yes. Yep. You know, I think we bought into that. You got to go to school to get a good job. You got to go to school to get this. I know guys whose sons have spent countless money on education. And because they have education with no uh, any type of um, experience, they can't Mm -hmm. get hired. Right. And they have this tremendous debt and it's upside down. Yep. And I think a lot of people are like that, you know? Yeah. And it's all set up that way on purpose for sure. For sure. But you hit it on the head there. You know, it's got to be about self-education. It's got to be about, you know, being motivated enough to Mm -hmm. do something, to learn something, to push yourself out there. You know, that's, um, oh gosh, I can't think of the gentleman's name. Uh, Tony Robbins talks about him a lot. Uh, but this guy, he mm. was a janitor, worked as a janitor his whole life, but mm. he learned how to invest and he invested. The guy ended up, uh, you know, retiring and he had like $35 million. Wow. He was a janitor in a school district. Like, but same thing. I mean, Warren Buffett, mm. he started out with what, $30,000 or something like that. Guy's worth, you know, 80 some billion dollars right now. All he's ever done is invest. Just invest more and more and more. Keep investing, keep investing. So it's not like, it's not hard. Mm-hmm. It's just consistency, you know? You can mm-hmm. be a dishwasher and make it. You know, you can be a doctor and make it. Yeah, one 
could make it a little faster because they're bringing in more money. They got more disposable income, mm-hmm. but you can still do it. You know, I always tell people, and this is true. So all my businesses that I've had, I've never paid myself more than $38,000 a year. We've always lived very cheaply. You know, mm-hmm. my getting my first property and everything, um, that was all money that I made and saved up working $15 an hour jobs, you know, before I got things going. Like Mm -hmm. it can be done. You just have to make those right decisions. You know, I didn't smoke cigarettes. I didn't go to the bar and drink like all my friends did. So I always had more money than them. I took that money, set it aside, did little things with it here or there. You know, Mm -hmm. slowly I turned that into an eight plex apartment, you know, and then things went from there. Like it can be done no matter where you're at, but it's just doing it, doing the work, putting in that time and effort. And that's again, where I say like, man, get some 15 year olds, you know? bring in some classes in these schools and stuff, teaching kids to invest, to start a business, you know, to do whatever, instead mm-hmm. of just becoming a surf. And then by the time they're 30, you know, you've got people that are just these juggernauts in business that are changing the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that'd be so much more important today than what they're teaching, you know, this uh, cancel culture and everything. Right. Else. <laughs> you know I mean, it's like, it's like crazy. It's like, why aren't you teaching these kids this? I remember, when I went into the military, it was the first time I learned how to balance a checkbook because that's when checks are still around. Oh, right. you know? And they actually had a class where you would have to learn how to balance your checkbook. You know what I mean? And they held you accountable because if you bounced a, or you wrote a phony check or that check bounced when you dropped it, you know, three feet high or whatever, right. it, uh, it, they could get you for that. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> they held you responsible after they, they taught you, you know what I mean? And, I think we need to teach our kids that as well as yeah. Yeah. Do this, but there is responsibilities and we got to hold you, you know, you got to have accountability. Yeah. Yep. And that's, you could possibly lose something, you know, along the way. Right. So yeah. that's a, another lesson right there, you know, that we mm-hmm. are instilling in our children that mm-hmm. my parents didn't really instill in us. Like, we, we lived poor, you know, we grew up in a trailer court and stuff, but my dad was a drug dealer. He had money, you know, and I'm mm. not saying he was like, you know, Escobar or anything like that, but I mean, he made good money with very little work. So, you know, uh, he always bought me things, bought me toys, things like that. Again, mm-hmm. he wanted to be liked. He wanted to be the friend. Um, my sister, it was even worse. Like, man, that girl got everything under the sun. Our kids, you know, we make them work and buy things, you know, we still get them gifts, but I, we don't go overboard. You know, we are not mm-hmm. those parents like, Oh, we go to the store and they got something just cause we went to the store and we want them to be quiet. Like, no, you know, they have to earn things. So all the kids want to start snowboarding and we encourage that because we want to start going skiing and snowboarding as a family, you know, more family time together, driving up to the mountains, things like that. But we made the kids work for it. So they mm-hmm. have their dog poop cleanup business that they ran this whole summer and been saving up money and they're buying all their snowboard stuff. You know, they worked wow. for it. They put that together. And, you know, my youngest is eight years old and my oldest is 12. So that's four boys, you know, each saved up about $800. Like, wow. How awesome is that? That is cool. And it's teaching them to good work ethic, which is right? really awesome. You know, um, not a, a good friend of mine he uh he did something like that with his two twin boys where he had them painting on the streets they have your your number right like yeah. your address number and uh he made a little 
printout, right, where you can paint on it or whatever, and it's the American flag with their number. It's kind of cool. That so, is genius. Dude, amazing oh my idea. Gosh. And, dude, all kinds of people were calling him and hitting him up and be like, man, come to our house. We'll, we'll pay them. You know what I mean? We want that. And it came out really cool, man. And all it took was him just getting a little stencil, creating it for them, and then letting them do the work and then just driving right. them to where they need to do. Really cool idea, you know. Oh yeah, that is brilliant. That is brilliant. We uh we might be stealing that this spring. You might have to give me <laughs> your friend's name so I can thank him for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's actually one of our our our, uh, our sponsors. He uh he makes all our shirts and stuff like that for the show up dad. And, oh, killer. Yeah, line one one clothing company. Good dude. But um yeah, he's on a on a mission to to uh to raise the next generation and and really really just start changing the narrative of what they're learning in school and stuff like that. Yes. Just just helping out, you know, where he can, you know, raising good healthy adults because at the end of the day that's all we can do as fathers, right. you know. Try to raise up children that can function in society yeah. and not be a drag. Right. Yeah, and right now all we're doing is making a confused generation. Mm. You know. Oh, for sure. I mean, gosh, we we oh. live in a day and age where five-year-olds don't even know what their own gender is. Yeah, it's it's crazy. crazy. So crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at all this stuff and here, here's the, uh, the conspiracist in me, but you know, mm-hmm. looking at everything going on with Korea and Russia and China and it's like, well, why wouldn't they be making moves and acting up? We don't even know what genders we are. Wow. We're confused <laughs> over here. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it's the time for them. Oh, for sure. I mean, and then we're so divided, right? You know, I know we talk a lot about scripture and stuff like that, but I mean, the Bible clearly states, man, a house divided cannot stand. And that just doesn't mean in America, you know, how we're have divided parties, divided, whatever. I mean, it's even in your own home. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of our generation is just super, super confused, you know, and I, I blame the parents, dude, because they're being confused because the parents are confused. How mm-hmm. do you blame a, a, a six or seven year old? Right. That they're confused, you know, when were they learning that? You know, there's mirror neurons and they're seeing you. If you're confused, then what do you think your kids are going to go up being confused? In, you know what I mean? Right. Right. And I think, uh, you know, I've got, I don't want to call them friends, but. Mm-hmm. People we know that have gone very much that direction. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of an attention thing. You know, my kid has this issues. My kid has this issues. My kid's got this going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look at me and the things I'm having to do because of it. Like mm-hmm. it, it almost seems that way to me, you know, it's either a, they're like, Oh, you know, my kids got all these problems and stuff. Look at it. Or like, Oh, mm-hmm. you know, poor me. I have to go through all this because of all this stuff. And it's, I don't know. It's just kind of where our society's at. And I think, you know, Facebook, mm-hmm. TikTok, Instagram, all that stuff. I think even that has a weight on it too, because we've become these people that, you know, we're doing things for the likes, for the views, you know, for that feeling of what mm-hmm. do you call it? You know, not admiration, but that just feeling of being validated, validated you know, yeah. just accepted. getting that win accepted. Yeah. So mm-hmm. no, I, I for sure see that as well. Um, I think a lot of times too, it's not just the validation or the acceptance. I think a lot of times as parents, we become our labels. Yeah. Right. Like 
I hear so many people say, Oh, my ADHD, my ADHD. Well, yep. keep talking about you actually become that. Yeah. And I heard, I heard that somewhere else too. It's like, Oh man, you're going to become your label. You're going to yeah. become what you think on. You're going to become right. what you're calling yourself. You know, there's tremendous power in your words. 100%. Um, I always push because I hate it. Like mm-hmm. most people would consider me, you know, a recovering drug addict, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not a recovering drug addict, not drug addict at all. You know, God Mm. made me new. I'm new. Like I have no drug addiction. Yeah. I Mm. used to do drugs. They were fun. I had a great time. And then I learned how bad they were. I no longer do that. You know, I'm not an alcohol ex alcoholic recovering alcoholic. I don't drink alcohol. Choose not to, Mm. you know, doesn't bother me. I stay away from it. When you're a recovering, you know, if that's always in the back of your mind, Mm-hmm. You're always on the edge of falling back into it. Wow. 100%. Anything we put on ourselves, you know, 100%, you said labels, whatever it is, we become that. You know, mm-hmm. excuse me, you can create a stutter. You know, you start telling yourself every day, like, oh man, I've got this stuttering problem. You know, I have problems saying this word. The next thing you know, you're trying to say the S and it's just not coming out. And like, you can create those things. Mm-hmm. Our brains are a supercomputer, it's programmable. So what we tell ourselves, what we believe, you know, that picture in the mirror, 100%, that becomes exactly who we are. Man, yeah, that's, that's super right. Cause um, I was listening to Dr. Karen Leaf and she's always talking about neuroplasticity and stuff like that. And you can, you can rewire your brain every yeah. day. You're rewiring it, what you see and everything, you know, and a lot of that has to deal with our quality of sleep as well. Are we getting enough hours? Right. You know, and obviously if you're if you're working twenty four and eight, you're not getting that sleep that is good for you to right. be able to have your mind just start regenerating. Right. Start healing itself. You know? So no, it's it's uh it's amazing the way God created our bodies and stuff like that for us to function and yeah. It's just like we're out of balance though. Yeah. We're out of sync, right? Yep. Yep. You know, and we somehow got to get back in sync with it, you know? Right. Right. 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of times I hear like people when, when they call me up and they ask me questions and stuff like that, they're com- continuously just bashing on their wife or bashing right. on their kids or their jobs or whatever. And it's like, I'm listening to them. Like, oh, well, do you have anything good to say? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause it's, it's contagious. You know what I mean? Right. It's you're constantly just at, in that negative space. And I get it. People need a vent. Right. But at what point is letting it out where, you know, you can't just let it out and you just stay stuck there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. a lot of people get stuck in that cycle to where yeah. they're just continuously just speaking this death. You know I can I mean? tell tell you going back to, you know, when I was talking about me and my wife weren't doing good and we almost got to the point of divorce and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'll admit, I, my wife was amazing when I married her. Mm-hmm. I turned her into something bad because I was a horrible husband, you know? Wow. And so when we got to that point of being on the verge of divorce, like I had everything in the world that I could have complained about with her 100% mm-hmm. because there was a lot she was doing wrong, mm-hmm. but that didn't matter. You know, once I realized like I wasn't going to divorce her, I was going to make it work, put in the work. It didn't matter the things that she was doing wrong and still doing wrong. All that mattered was 
what am I doing for her? What am I doing for her and the kids? What am I doing for the relationship? Mm. How am I not filling her cup? And once you start doing those things, you know, you start living for the other person because marriage, what's marriage for is to show us the relationship between God and the church, you know, well, what did God do for the church? Gave his only son. God came down, left his heavenly abode and died for the church. So Mm -hmm. we could be with him one day. I wasn't doing that for my wife. So I start doing that for her, start doing that for the family. Well, what happens? She starts seeing that. Well, over time, her heart starts to soften, not because I'm like, well, you don't cook enough. You don't do this. You know, you're not doing this. You're such mm-hmm. trash, blah, 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 which I'm not going to lie. You know, some of that did slip through because I still had a lot to work through and stuff in my attitude. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I was pouring in, that I was spending the time, that I was making the effort that softened her to where she started making the effort also. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why the whole 50, 50 thing, even in like business partnerships, you know, that's crap. Yeah. Give a hundred, always give a hundred, give everything you can to someone, you know, even something like this, like a little talk and stuff. I'm here to wanting to give everything to you guys because this is so important because it's mm. so much bigger than just me, you know, just my wants. My marriage is my kids' future. And if I'm not showing them how to be that husband, how to be that father, if I'm not giving a hundred percent and instead I'm only giving 50 and I'm worried about my 50 coming back to me, Mm -hmm. they're going to grow to be selfish bastards. Wow. 100%. So we gotta, you know, we gotta give, we gotta put in that effort. Mm -hmm. Man, I like what you said, you know, they're going to see what you do and they're going to become selfish themselves. And it's so true, dude, when we are expecting for our spouse to pick up what we're not doing. In fact, you burn them out. You know, I'm guilty of that. Yeah, I I could be, you know, I don't do that anymore. You know, at least I hope I don't, you know what I mean? (laughs) But uh, man, I was burning my wife out, bro. Right. I was burning her out and I didn't even know it. Or maybe I did know it and I just didn't care because you know, I'm working, I'm providing, you take care of what I don't need to take care of right now, because my job's important, you know, and right, start putting the job, the, the the career, everything before them, saying, I'm doing this for you. Right, right. You know, so it's crazy, man. It's crazy. But uh, Jude, how can anybody reach out to get in touch with you if they want to sure. be a part of your coaching or anything like that, man? Can you share that with our audience, if you don't mind? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the easiest way, um, we all have a media that we're good with me for some reason, Facebook just works the best for me. So you find me, you know, Jude Mendonca on Facebook, um, at the barefoot millionaire on Facebook. Uh, I have a website, judebendonca.com, but it's actually down right now. We're currently redoing it cause I have a second book coming out here soon. So, mm-hmm. uh, they can also find my first book on Amazon and yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. And, uh, Heck yeah, man. I'd like to get that book and maybe we could even do like a book drop or something like that. I don't yeah. know. Figure yeah. something out. You know what I mean? But uh, once again, thank you, Jude, for coming on here. And this is Dave from the Show Up Dad, just encouraging you fathers just to keep being that dad that shows up for your family. They need you. God bless. <laughs>